How many of you sing that stupid song throughout the week now, right? <laughs> I've ruined everybody's Sunday. <laughs> it's great. And then when someone's being negative, you can just whistle that. It's like, mm. <laughs> but we're in this series called Stay Positive, and it's a challenge, you know, especially if you've heard a couple of our sermons as we've looked at it over the last month, and then all of a sudden stuff even sticks out even more, just how our headlines are so negative, and the news runs all the negative and all the horror stories and all the, uh, we live in a culture that just loves to glorify the negative, you know, uh, positive stories just don't get as much push. And you can see Twitter headlines. I watched Kobe Bryant's last game and just who cares what you think about Kobe? And I'm actually not even a Kobe guy, but um, he had this great game and it was all this fun and they honored him or whatever. But it was amazing to me how much of the Twitter feed was still so negative. Just, you know, it's like, man, he's a basketball player. And here you are in the middle of the night, like tweeting a bunch of crazy negative stuff about this guy. Like this is insane, the world that we live in and the negativity that we think we need to spew. And so as Christians, God calls us to be opposite of that. You know, scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it's easy for us. We've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. It's easy for us to go, oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength and it gives me strength. But really, the joy of the Lord is an attribute or a strength of the church or of Christians that we get to use in a dark world. So there's negativity spewing. There's all this kind of stuff that happens. And we as Christians should be people out there going like, hey, no, we got the joy. You know, we should be positive. But a lot of times Christians become soapbox people that just point fingers. And God's called us to be life giving. Amen. And so for us, you know, we got to constantly look at how God has called us to live positive. We talked about how my son, who's one, um, whenever he's done, we're teaching him things, sort of blow kisses and give kisses and do all these things. And he's one years old. And so uh, they say that you learn nine times faster through encouragement. And so we encourage him so much in all the things that he does that whenever he does something right, he automatically starts clapping for himself because that's what we do. And, uh, and it's interesting that even when our little ones, we understand the concept of, man, we should be loving towards others and encouraging. We believe that people rise or fall to the level of your praise. So if we're talking about people down here, that's all they get to. But if we, if we believe the best and we encourage them, we talk about them up here, that's what they get to. And if we do it in our kids, how much more should the church be doing it in our culture? Amen. Speaking life and being life giving and loving others. Amen. That's why the tagline of our church is, hey, we're, we're here to just love others towards God through our actions. It's like, hey, we just want to be here to love you. And uh, we hope through that it reveals God to you. And uh, and that's just how how we believe it's to be. Amen. So we've been talking the last couple of weeks. Uh, Psalm says the end of Psalms 23, seven says, as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. So what you let in, what you let be a part of how you think and who you are, that's what you become. So if you let negativity rule in your mind and in your thinking, that's how you'll be. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, it said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. But an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For what the mouth speaks, the heart is full of. Man, if you just let negativity be so full in your heart, that's what's going to come out in your life. And we also talked about how nobody has ever lived a positive life with a negative attitude. You're just never going to be able to do both. You're never going to be happy with your results if you let yourself be a negative person. And here's what blesses me, is God loves us in a way that he believes in you, that you can be a positive person. God is for you. I love this. I don't have the right or ability to be positive based on what I feel. I have the ability to stay positive because of what God says about me. And what the word says about me. And so I'm so thankful for the Bible and, and this thing that's been given to us that shows us and teaches us how to look at the word and how to stay encouraged. That way we don't live on what we feel, 
and what looks good in the present moment, but we live on what God says and what has stood the test of time. Amen. Hebrews 10.35 says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Staying positive and staying, uh, staying encouraged about the things of God and staying uh, confident in the thing that God has called you into, the scripture says that God rewards that. And so how, how much should we just be thinking in our mind, God's called me to this and I'm going to be life-giving about it and I'm going to be positive about it because I know if I do, God will reward me in it. So it's important for us to stay positive. But the truth is, in the third week of this series, as much as I would love to say your walk with God and Christianity is all roses and it's all fun and fireworks and all this stuff, the truth is there is down seasons. There are seasons when you're walking with God that you're down to nothing. You feel down to nothing. We talk about, we'll talk about here in a moment, pruning seasons where God is removing things from your life that it doesn't feel good and it doesn't look good, but you know it's God and you know you're supposed to be doing it. How many know what I'm talking about? And so as much as we love to say, oh, I'm staying positive and everything's a thumbs up, we have seasons where we feel like thumbs down. But what do you do in those moments? How, how do you stay encouraged? How do you stay positive? And so we're going to take a look at it, but I love this thought. When you're feeling like you're down to nothing, and nothing's left, and I don't know how it's going to work, and I don't know how I can build anything with this. When you feel like you're down to nothing, that's usually when God's really up to something in your life. The scripture says that when, uh, when we're weak, he is strong. The scripture also says uh, that we are people that we should pray, God, I decrease so that you can increase. Well, in order for us to decrease, that means we literally have to let some things go of ourselves pride and selfishness and maybe even sometimes some of our dreams that are about ourselves or some of the way that we feel like we should be able to live and choices we should be able to make. And God is saying, hey, when you decrease and let me step in, you'll see increase. I need to decrease so he can increase. Amen. So when we're weak, he's strong. I'm just telling you, it doesn't preach real good and it doesn't sell books and it doesn't get Facebook clicks. But the truth is in Christianity, you're going to have to learn how to endure in the down season, in the pruning season where God is developing you. And the, the key to being able to do that, and this is good for you to write on your worship guide, the key to be able to do that is to understand that God's perspective or God's view or God's seat in your life is better than yours. What God sees is so much better than what you see about your life. And here's an example. Uh, we're always being tested and staying positive. And so uh, on Friday, beautiful day out, and, uh, and so Jess and I and the kids, we took a trip to Frederick Meyer uh, Gardens. We are going to go see the butterflies. And so Caroline is three, and uh, Charlie is one, and it's beautiful out, and the day starts great. You know, uh, we woke up, and we got Garth Brooks tickets. Amen, somebody. Amen. We got in. <laughs> the glory of the Lord was already on our life. I mean, Trisha Yearwood tickets. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> and uh, so we got our tickets. And we get in the car, and we're driving down the road where it's a good day. Everything's positive. It's sunny. We're listening to Dave Matthews. Everything's good. And we get to Frederick Meyer Garden. And as we come around the corner and we get there, I just see, I think it was like 3,000 miles of school buses there. Every single school had a field trip to Frederick Meyer Gardens. And so I was like, all right, going to stay positive. And I started thinking about how we're going to do this. And uh, I'll tell you, I have never pushed down so many five-year-old kids in my life. <laughs> but we made it through. We were just pushing kids. And when we got into the butterfly part, I told all the kids that were in there that they were all poisonous. So they were running out of there. We had the whole thing to ourselves. And uh, that's, those are all lies, just so you know. 
write that down on your sheet. The pastor's lying about three things. Maybe two. Maybe one of them is true. But anyway. <laughs> so, stay, so anyway, so we're leaving. And I don't know if you know this, but kids have this thing built into them that they know automatically wherever situation they're in, they know where the gift shop is. And everything in a gift shop is ridiculously overpriced. And I'm an Amazon Prime guy. We're like, we don't buy anything unless it's on Prime. I won't buy another car until I can do it on Prime. Just like, <laughs> I need that car in two days. It's going to come to my doorstep. So I don't buy anything. And so, of course, she's at the stinking gift shop, which I blame her mother. Like, oh, why did she go over there? Anyway. And so they're at the gift shop. So we say, oh, we're having a good day. We're all being so positive. And I'm whistling to myself. And uh, so they have this section that says $5 and under. You can pick, you know, all this stuff. And so like a stupid parent would, we say to her, oh, you can pick out whatever you want off of this thing for $5 and under. But then naturally what a parent does when the kid goes to pick something out, you, she goes to pick it. No, you can't have that. You don't want that. Well, what about that? No, you don't want that. And so we've told her you can pick out whatever you want. And then we argue with her for a half an hour about what she really can. My point is this. She wanted this really stupid thing that we knew was going to break. We knew it wouldn't even make it to the car. We knew her one-year-old brother would eat it. Like, this is just not going to work. And so we talked her into this other thing. But along the way, crying and suffering, she was in suffering because we didn't get out of thing. But my point is this. I was talking about how God's perspective is better over our lives. As parents, our perspective over her decision and what she really wanted, our perspective was better in her life. We knew it wouldn't last. We knew it wasn't what was right for her. And so though shiny and though so excited about it, we knew that, hey, here's the deal with this. You should really get into this instead of that because it would be better for you. And there's just times in our lives that God allows us to go through things in seasons where it feels like a pruning or a down. But really what he's doing is like, no, 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 you really don't want that thing that you think you want because this in the long run is better for you. Amen. And we got to learn to trust that process that God sees better. And so we got to stay positive. Uh, Romans starts to talk about this. It says in Romans 8.18, it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. So it's talking about here, like surely in our, in our down seasons, in our frustrating seasons, if we can just keep the mindset that even though we're in this, the end result is going to be that God's glory is going to be revealed in our life. If we can just stay positive and stay to it and trust God, God's going to produce something in us positive. Amen. He continues to talk about it in Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. What I love about our God versus anything else is we're, we're not just left here in a religion that's like, you got to figure it all out by yourself. We can mess things up. We can get down in the pit. We can make bad decisions and be in a low time. But we serve a God who still cares to come in and take what we messed up and still make it all work good. Amen? Thankfully, we have a God who cares about us and cares about our future and our decisions and making all things work together. That's something that we can stay positive about. Amen? But God does do it through seasons of pruning. Seasons where he says, hey, this has got to come out of your life. This has got to come out of your life so that I can help you grow. John 15 talks about it. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And that's just our Christian walk. We have seasons in our life where, where this thing once produced something, and it used to once produce fruit, and we used to get real excited about it, and it used to look real good, but now its season is over, and it's time for God to prune it from us 
and we love to hold on to that old thing. Some, some of us Christians, God's done some things in our life, and you're just living a weekend at Bernie's life. You're just propping that dead thing up with you everywhere you go. He's so fun. It's so great. <laughs> I don't know if that's a bad movie, so don't hold me to probably isn't because it was like 20 years ago. So uh, anyway, but that's us as Christians. We're just like holding on to that dead thing. We just love that dead thing because we just don't want to give it up. But there's no more fruit in it. There's no more life in it. And God's over here saying, man, if you just let me take it, I can produce this for you. Amen. God is a God who does incredible things with little, with what's left. He prunes and he takes things out. He removes things. And we sit and we go, Gosh, there's not much left. Boy, there's just a little. All I got left is a little. But he's the God who can do a lot with a little. Amen? It says that it'll produce great fruit. In the scripture, we're sitting here, we're looking at it, and we, we fight for things. We love, as Christians, we love to fight for that. Oh, we got to keep this, and this has got to stay, and this has got to stay. But if we could just go, God, I want in my life what you want to have in my life. We love to just battle over things in our own life, so we have to trust God. I love this thought. The loss may be painful, but what's left is always powerful. It says that when you prune those things that we lose off of our life, God can step in and produce something powerful and fruitful. Amen? Amen. It's hard to trust God. I mean, a huge, maybe God's called you to a lifestyle change. He's called you to maybe be a missionary or serve in your church or uh, change uh, maybe a job or, or something you're involved in that you just know it's dead and it's not productive and it's not fruitful. And God is saying, hey, will you just let me take that from you? But I promise you, if you submit to God and you trust him in that, he'll do it. something powerful. Amen. The loss may be painful, but what's left is very powerful. I was mowing the grass yesterday. And uh, it's our second summer in this house. And so, you know, we're still learning, like, how all the, this sounds so stupid. We're learning how all the plants work. We've never seen plants before. <laughs> I guess you water them. <laughs> but we're learning, like, you know, like, anyway, we've taken some out and we've added some or whatever. So we're in the second season. So we had this one bush that was awesome last year. It was awesome. It was beautiful. And I'm mowing. And as I'm passing, it, I'm like, did that thing die? It is really dead. Like, it's really dry. And, like, all of its beauty from last year had fallen and was laying underneath it. And I'm just thinking, that's crazy that, you know, it was so healthy, and now it just looks like so dried up and dead. I just feel like, you know, with this sermon, God was speaking to me, that's many of the seasons that we go through in our life. You just go through a season. I mean, the root, it's still healthy. It's a, it's a great bush. We go through seasons where it's like, man, you just produced, and it was beautiful, and, and it was great. In your life, you were in a season where everything was wonderful. But then all of a sudden, you hit a season where it's just dry, and it's dormant. But the scripture is saying, if you just stay connected to the gardener, that there's still life in you, it will come back even better. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you in that. You know, you may be looking in the mirror thinking, man, I'm, I'm pretty dried up. <laughs> That's funny, you guys. That's funny. I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> um, so we love this. We love this. We love the prophetic word. We love the people speaking to us or giving us an encouraging word that's like, beholdeth, I seeth God. He is doing a new thing. And I love that. I'm, I'm with that. I love the new thing. And we talk, God's doing a new thing. And we put this all about a new thing. But you know that I believe that God is not only a God of new thing, but I also believe that God is the, is that we serve a God who's like the master of the microwave. God can do more with our leftovers. Somebody say amen. 
He can do more. What he's pruned, what's been, it was once plated. It was once pretty. It was all set. And, and then we messed it up and we messed it. But God can take that thing and reheat that thing and put that thing back in business. Amen. But we all love the new thing. We knew thing. But so many times I've noticed in my life and others life more times than the big glory cloud of the new thing. More times it's God taking what we've messed up and what we've maybe screwed up, what we've kicked around, what we haven't been obedient, taking that, redeeming it, restoring it, and making it something beautiful. Amen? And so it's good to look for a new thing. We love all that. We believe in But a lot of times that new thing can come through just something that may have been a leftover. Amen? I believe that God can do amazing things with leftovers. James 1, 2. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brother and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. The process does this for us. It allows us to persevere so that God can produce in us something that lacks nothing. We have to trust the process. Here's the thing. We all look for bailout gods, but God is more of a stick it out type God. Amen? We'd love, Lord, deliver me from this. Take, take, take me from, God, I know you're calling me to a new thing. But God, just be a person who sticks it out because then it produces maturity and nothing lacking. Amen? God's looking for stick it out people. I love this. The famous Isaiah 43, 18. We read it and it says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. This is wonderful, and I believe that God uses this scripture to call us into new things and encourage us. I love that. But it's saying this. It's saying, look where he's doing the new thing in wastelands, in wildernesses, in things that have been left over. Somebody say amen. We, we love to discredit and throw out and discount. No, it's not perfect, so it must not be God. No, that's not the right thing, so we're looking for God to lead us to the right thing. Let's just trust God to lead us to the actual right thing. We, sorry, that makes no sense. We love God to lead us to the perfect thing. God, lead me the perfect thing. I know that's going to be right. Lead me the perfect thing. I know that's going to be right. But we just need to pray, God, just lead me to the right thing. Whether a wilderness or a wasteland, we know that God can do something new with it. He's a God who can use our, our leftovers. And when we're down to nothing, God gets up to something. Amen? But here's a key in Isaiah. It says two things here. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See that I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It's talking about how we have to have the wisdom to be able to look for what God is doing. God, I can't figure out this marriage. I can't figure out our finances. I can't figure out this with the kids. I can't. And you're doing it all on your own. Have you stopped to perceive what God wants to show you? Have you asked God to show you so you can see? Somebody say amen. amen. All right. When we're down to nothing. I'll close with this. God is up to something. We just have to be a, a Christian who refuses to lose. The problem is a lot of times when we're called to stay positive or we're called to endure like the scripture says so that we can be lacking nothing and all the, the problem is we're just too easy to quit. Well, you know, we were in this thing and God called us to do this thing, but we just had to get out of there because the enemy showed up. Well, he showed up because he didn't want you advancing and we love to quit and we love to quit. So it's like, it's almost like as Christians, we look for more excuses on why we shouldn't do something versus on signs why we should pursue into something. So there's this story a lot of you have heard. It talks about how these guys, they had a paralyzed friend. 
and, uh, and they got them, and they're bringing them, and they heard that Jesus was healing people. And they go to the place, and the scripture says that there was no room inside. But then the scripture also points out that there was no room at the door. So the scenario here is this. These guys show up. They need a miracle. They're fighting for their friend. And when they get there, it was probably the crowd that said, hey, get out of here with him. There's no room inside. And not only is there no room inside, but there's no room at the door, meaning you're like, you're not even getting a chance to get in. Not only are they packed inside, but they're packed outside. You're not getting in there. And many of us would go, well, that's our sign. We're just, you know, it's not God's will. But these people said, I will refuse to lose. I'm going to stay positive that my healer is in there. That my situation can be healed and met. And I can overcome and I can be delivered of this if I just get in there. So instead of walking, the scripture says that they literally ripped. One translation says that they climbed and they ripped at the roof. And they lowered their friend into Jesus. They James, or mission impossible them impossible them into Jesus that's the first one I don't know if you've ever seen it it might be on Netflix but but they said hey we're going to refuse to lose they told us no they told us no but I'm going to stay positive that we didn't come this far to just stop here somebody say amen we're going to rip and we're going to climb and we're going to get to what God has for us amen we have to be those kind of people because God can get your breakthrough with whatever's left this is all we got left. There's a story of a widow woman and the debt collectors come and they're going to take her sons into slavery and she's out of money and she's out of everything. And they say, the prophet says to her, well, what do you have left? Which is just what we've been talking about. She says, all I have is this oil and I'm going to make some food and I'm going to die. That's my plan because all, this is all I have left. But the scripture says that she turned her, she turned her oil over to the man of God or to the will of God. The scripture says, not only did it never run out, but it provided her sons to be set free and the rest of her life. Why? Because God does some stuff when we're down to nothing. Amen. When there's not much left and we don't know how it's going to work, that's when God does his best. Esther, the scripture says that she prepared herself and they were praying uh, the king that was going to wipe them all out, all the Jews out, kill them all. And so she says about her life. We've prayed, we've fasted, I've prepared myself. And she says these words, I'm going into the king to get our deliverance, to plead for our deliverance. And she says this, if I perish, I perish. If they kill me, I'm down to nothing, but I'm still gonna go with what God's called and spoke to me to do, amen? We need to be like Esther. Jonah's in the belly of a whale. And he's like, God, I'm down to this. Is there anything you can do with me? And God delivers. David was the least of his brothers. He was the shepherd of them, and his skills were the least of the skills. He didn't have armor. He didn't have all the army training. All he had was the shepherd boy skills. Not much left. He just had a little, and God provided incredible destiny and victory in his life. Why? Because in the hands of God, little is big. Amen? You look at Daniel and the lion's den and on and on and on. God does incredible things with little things that we commit to his hand. How do we do it? How do we get it into our life? We have to use our words. We have to trust God. We have to speak positive, stay positive. We have to put it in example. Here's why I know this. Ezekiel chapter 37. It's the famous story of the Valley of Dry Bones. They're talking about how the prophet has a vision. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the spirit and he sent me to the middle of a valley. 
and it was full of bones. So he's having a vision of this dead army, really. And there's all these bones, all these skulls, all these dead things, which if you've ever played Tomb Raider, you can imagine what it looked like. I needed a humor break for me, sorry. No Tomb Raider fans? I think that's rated mature. We, you know, you shouldn't play that one. I don't even know where we are. It's full of bones. Verse number two. It says, he led me back and forth among them, and he saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, and the bones were very dry. And in this vision, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. But one translator, one writer says it was like this. He had been run out of uh, where he was. King Nebuchadnezzar was uh, persecuting him. He's depressed. He's in the season. And so basically in this whole vision, really one writer says it kind of reads more like this. Hey, do you see these dry bones? Do you see all this stuff? Yeah. He's like, do you think that they can live? And he's like, I don't know. You know, real like that. I don't know. You know, Lord. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't care to know, you know. And then the scripture says this. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. I blame Amy. She wrote this. She drew this brilliant painting. And it, every day, Doug's like got it in the corner of his office. Uh, we should have it. Maybe I'll put it on Facebook. But it's this hand of God coming down to these dry bones. But this beautiful color is coming out of it. Just the brightest orange, the brightest yellow. I feel like the word of the Lord for this church. We love excellence. We love graphics. We love the lights and series and all the stuff that helps make people uh, feel comfortable and feel engaged. We love that. But we're not just here to put on a good show. We're not here to have cool shirts and fun kids games. And we're here to see our community transformed. And that doesn't happen through cool shirts and fun lights. You use all of that stuff. But if there isn't a power of God that literally comes in and causes dry bones to get up and live, I know, I know that's metaphor. Uh, maybe someday, I guess bones could come in here and get up. I'm not going to rule it out. But I'm not literally talking about that. But I'm talking about marriages that are so dead that they're dry bones can get up and live that in our schools that are so dry and dead that our teenagers can come together and cause things to get up and live amen he's going to bring that forward i'm going to keep reading so let me try this again so verse two yeah whatever's light i guess i guess it's got to go up though but most can you guys see that sitting yeah you can so i believe that this is what God is going to do with our church. Yeah, please, would you? Just kind of in the light, just kind of hold it in front of you. Obviously, we're not going to get into like a, what this says to me is, <laughs> but what this says to me is, <laughs> dead religion, you know, prodigal children that have been gone, failed businesses are going to start to catch the life of God 
sexual addictions, addictions, all these things that people are just dead in and they've given up on. They're going to come. Can you kind of lean it that way? They're going to come to a place, not just our church, but an area, and they're going to just start to feel the love of God. Drip down on them and come to life. The scripture says this. Here's what we need to do. In verse 2, it said, He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. The bones that were very dry, he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, only you know, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy, meaning speak over these bones. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. In your life, when there's dry bones, you need to say to these dry bone seasons, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. We don't have to stay here. Somebody say amen. I don't have to be stuck in this addiction. I don't have to be stuck in this thing. I don't have to be discouraged. I don't have to be depressed. Hear the word of the Lord. And then in verse seven, he says, so I prophesied or I spoke the word of God as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise. It says it was a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. Scripture goes on to say it lived. What I love about this when I was reading it is it was a process. It took a little time. There was a little rattling. There were some things kind of knocking together. We have to be a people who can stay positive as, as we are speaking into the dry bones, as we are speaking into life, as we're prophesying into things. It's going to rattle and it's going to take a minute and it's going to come together. But if we just stay to it, God will see us through it. Amen. I love this in Job 8, 7, which I told you last week, I hate the book of Job. I shouldn't say hate, but it's not. But I brought another one with me because God's still dealing with me with Job. But after great testing and great struggle, this was said. Through your, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. God does awesome things with little. God does awesome with what's left. After we've gone through the pruning, after we've trusted God in the process, after we've submitted to God, you see better than we see, God increases us abundantly with the little that we hand over to him, amen? I believe that in your life and in my life and in our life, we can be a people if we speak life and we prophesy to the dead things in our lives. We can see God reach down and move and bring things back to life. Amen.